Barack Obama came up for seconds, which was, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a treat, bit of a, a bit of a, good, a bit of a good sign, you know. So here you go. We had a bit of a talk, and he said, "I'm allowed to, uh, I'm allowed to eat more because I went for a run this morning." So oh, that's no problem, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's a summer series of Deep in the Weeds, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back the man, the myth, the legend, Ben O'Donoghue. Ben, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. I thought you were talking about someone else for a second. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. You well? Oh, very well. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I'm glad to sort of be getting towards the end of the year, go on holidays at, uh, on Saturday, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Bit of, bit of time with the family. The, the thing about you as a chef is that, you know, when I think of summer and chefs, I think of you. You know, you've had television shows where you've gone surfing and cooking and, um, and I always, always think about seafood and salads and all this sort of fresh way to eat. How do, what does summer mean to you in regards to food? Um, what does summer mean to me uh, when it comes to food? I think um, primarily, first and foremost, it's just, Easy, uncomplicated, and fresh. That's what it means to me. Uh, you know, whether it's a big bucket of prawns or a beautiful sort of like salad, you know, uh, for us now, tomatoes are banging season. So whether it's a, you know, big stone fruit and, uh, and uh, heirloom tomato salad seasoned with sherry vinegar and maybe throw some uh, f- fresh cheese on there, sort of like, you know, stretch your teller, something like that, or some nice soft feta. That sort of thing, something that's just um, bursts burst in your mouth and is refreshing, or something really cold like ice cream. You, you live in a, a much uh, warmer climate than, than I do down here in Canberra. You're in tropical world. Uh, what's this, what sort of seafood do you like to celebrate um, sort of now in summer? Is there anything that's popping out um, that you're using? Uh, well, I think... Um, Oysters uh, are fantastic. Uh, so up here we've got the uh, Kondamooka Rock Oysters, uh, you know, from Moreton Bay. Uh, they're wonderful. They're small, minerally, and um, just full of flavour. Um, other things like prawns, red spot, spot prawns, banana prawns now, um, king prawns, especially when we get a little bit of rain as well, which is fairly common in the afternoons you'll get a thunderstorm and a, a big freshwater flush and that sends the prawns crazy you know so that's great and of course sand uh spanner crab that sort of thing that's just um that just sort of reeks of summer for me queensland summer you've uh, you've done many tv shows but surfing the menu comes to mind do you have any stories from the adventures of those days oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah a few a few um which ones i'll have to cherry pick the ones i can talk i think one that really stands out <laughs> for me was um when we went to um kakadu and uh we were sort of hanging out with these young tos traditional owners and um they took us to the most remarkable spot in uh, Kakadu, overlooking the floodplains, and um, and uh, we went. We, we were taken into this billabong, and one of the guides said to us, "You know, you're so lucky because n- no white man has been in here for like many, many years, and we were fishing. And I mean, Curtis is the worst fisherman. You know, he's fantastic at everything else, but he's not the best fisherman. And uh, literally every cast, we were catching, like, thumping barramundi. And um, so, of course, 
on the menu for for the show was um, barramundi, as well as magpie goose. The the young fellas cooked us up this magpie goose, which which admittedly they had caught like several months earlier because it was dry season when we went there and um, and you you couldn't access the geese because they're right in the middle of the um, uh, you know the floodplain, and uh, and so they had this dry. Uh, not dried, um, frozen magpie goose that they left on the bonnet of a four-wheel drive for the day to defrost. <laughs> and then they, um, they proceeded to pluck it there, there and then on the, on the dirt, you know, of our little, ca- of our camp. And we made a little fire with, bun- uh, not bunion nuts, um, pandanus nuts. And they were, they became the coals and they just spatchcocked this thing out. And, uh, little Derek threw it on the coals and was turning it and uh, and there was a little sort of scuffle over who was going to eat the heart and livers and stuff like that because obviously those sort of parts of the animal are, are the most important part because they you know they're full of full of nutrient and they and you get the spirit of the animal from those um, from those uh, luxurious little bits. And so the littlest kids normally they'll give them to the elderly or the young so the littlest kids got the heart and the liver. And the whole time, me and Curtis are just thinking to ourselves, "We're going to die. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get some some like um some food disease from this thing because it's just been defrosting for eight hours at the most uh, unhygienic sort of level, and um th- and then plucked on the floor. So that was a pr- that was pretty mind blowing. And then I, I I did this whole barramundi steamed, and I I, te- I finished it off, and I tempered it with curry leaves and some other aromats, you know, ginger, shallots, and whatnot. Uh, and then sort of just poured that oil over the top of it, and um, made a little sort of sauce from some of the steaming liquid with um with soy and whatnot. And this kid Derek just absolutely sucked this carcass clean and it ended up looking like one of those sort of cartoon caricatures of a fish fish frame you know and he was using the uh the bones to pick his teeth and suck the eyeballs out of out of the head he was like lovely brass lovely <laughs> so that, that that's always like one of my fondest memories it was such a a great great experience you know Magpie goose is uh, an, an extraordinary thing to eat. I've only experienced it once, and I'll never forget it. How, how would you describe the, f- the flavour of it? Well, it's very much like like duck, uh, probably a little bit richer and uh, more intense. Dark, the meat very dark, you know. Um, it kind of reminded me of like when I was in the UK eating widgeon, which is like a, a waterfowl not dissimilar to a duck um and and uh, this obviously they're eating like um shellfish and and bivalves and stuff like that so um um they have this this you know remarkable flavor and the fat is so rich as well i wish they were more commercially available for sort of the industry i think um that'd be amazing You've uh, worked all over the world and travelled quite a bit. Do you have any sort of travel food stories that really jump out um, as fond memories for you? Um, yeah, quite a few. Like, um, I think some of the, the best ones I had was when I, like, I worked at the River Cafe and um, every year in November, October, November, we would go to Italy as a group 
Um, so it was like a week, but they'd split the team up into two. So one bunch would go for four days and the next bunch would go for four days. Um, we would swap over. And, and the purpose of those trips were really to go to uh, places like uh, Selva Piana, Fontodi, uh, a few other places um, to source olive oil for the restaurant. And David Gleave from uh, Liberty Wines, who was the major wine supplier of the uh, cafe, um, was kind of our, our guide and facilitator. And so we'd go to these amazing places. And I remember once we went to uh, Bor- um, sort of um, Piedmont, we went up to Borolo, and uh, we went to this restaurant. And, uh, the name um, slips my mind now, it'll come to me. But it was, um, I think it was called Don Cesaros or something like that. But the, the chef was this like complete eccentric bit of an alcoholic and you never knew whether the restaurant was going to be open <laughs> and uh, so we rocked up and it's like this beautiful little uh, restaurant on the side of a valley and um, you've got the nebbio that drifts, drifts in so this mist fills the valley um, and uh, so we walk in and there's a fire going in the corner with a spadino on it and there's caprelli roasting on the fire and at the entrance of the restaurant, there's this big glass clanche with, uh, filled with white truffles. And uh, we just had the most amazing, amazing lunch, you know. White truffles on everything. I remember I had this braised artichoke and fried egg sort of uh, fried egg dish that um, the waiter just came over and just, you know, just absolutely smothered in white truffles. I remember... Theo had this stuffed um, big white onion that was filled with cheese and and an egg yolk. And subsequently, I've copied that uh, recipe many times at at, uh, various uh, sort of stages in my career. It's so so amazing. And that, again, would get sort of laden with white truffles. (laughs) It was just so decadent. And we're drinking like, you know, Aldo Conterno Barolos and stuff like that. It was just like, you know, really, really, really special. There was one trip we did actually that was quite embarrassing for me because um, bef- just prior to us leaving, one of the guys in the kitchen, an Aussie guy called Anthony, was leaving. So we went out in the Raz and um, had a fairly large night and ended up back at this guy Ben's house who was one of the other chefs at River Cafe at the time. And um, and about 6.30 in the morning, they're all passed out and uh, me and uh, this guy called Darren, who was another Aussie shaved these guys we shaved their eyebrows we we pulled their pants down and shaved their legs we shaved their chin. like we couldn't believe we got so far with it it was incredible anyway we'd arranged to wait meet up the following afternoon at wonkies in in um in soho and have some chinese and they rocked up and they're absolutely they looked like they had sort of like chemo treatment there was no hair on their face they were wearing caps it was so funny anyway so to jump to the the story of italy we were catching a, uh, a cab out in uh, addison lee out to the airport and just before we left work uh ben made all these sandwiches for us to have on the trip and i was like in the cab eating my sandwich and i'm like oh it's really sweet what's going on and ben goes oh that's just the artichokes that we've that been marinated in the lemon and the, and the honey and whatnot and i'm like Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, so we, we miss our flight and we have to fly from, from uh, Gatwick to um, Rome instead of flying into Florence. So we get to Rome at three, like 12 o'clock at night. We've got a three and a half hour drive and I'm the only one with a driver's license. So I go and hire the car and the whole time my stomach's rumbling. 
And I'm, oh, oh that's no good. And uh, I got in the high car and I passed wind, you know, I farted. And it was the worst fart that I've ever done in my life. And I'm super embarrassed. So um, I, I open all the windows, pick the guys up at the pickup point at the airport. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't fart like that again in the car. We're in this little Fiat Punto with, you know, three big guys in the back of me driving and uh, one of the girls from the front of the house. And the thing. So for three hours, I just held on to this, these farts while I tried to. And I was in in intense pain and I was doubling over and I had to just relinquish. And so it it, it kind of backfired. Ben had laced my uh, sandwich with laxative and uh, (laughs) and I've got a constitution of an ox and it just seemed to upset my stomach. It didn't make me sort of like um, go to the toilet incessantly, but I had flatulence like you wouldn't believe. And and the next day we went out to this restaurant in uh, just outside of Florence and um, forget the name of it, but it was an amazing restaurant. And um, every five minutes, I had to get up and leave the table to go to the toilet to pass wind. And I swear, I swear to God, Rose thought that I was doing drugs because I literally... <laughs> and the worst part was like the next... We were there for four days and it lasted for four days, even longer. And I actually had to share, I, I had to share a car with Rose Gray, Ruth Rogers and David Glee from Liberty Wines and I'm still farting and I, I just had to let it go and I had to tell them what had happened to me and it was so funny, it was so funny. So they, um, they completely understood why I was leaving the room every time, every five minutes in the restaurant. But uh, yeah. Well, I knew you'd have some weird food stories, but you, you, you got me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you've you, you've um, cooked all sorts of sort of incredible events and for amazing people. Do you have any stories of a big event or um, something that you put on where you've cooked for people? Uh, I, I think oh, I think I've probably spoken about this. I'm not sure, but I, I did the um, the G20 here in in Brisbane, and. Um, and uh, we, um, Tony Abbott asked me to do that, so that, that was an amazing opportunity. And we did a like a, he wanted a barbecue buffet, which was kind of kind of surreal because you got these world leaders and uh, our, our restaurant team sort of worked the whole thing front of house, back of house, and um, and we put it like we I used um, I, w- I wanted to use Queensland Wagyu, but um, Josh uh, from Goma was doing Wagyu on their menu, so um, Tony wanted lamb, so I got Flinders Island lamb up because I was using it in the restaurant at the time and um, and did that, and then we did this amazing buffet of local seafood and, and salads and breads and whatnot, and... Um, <laughs> uh, they're coming up to the, the to the buffet. It was really kind of weird because they would ask what certain things were, and I'd say, "Oh, that's a Morton Bay bug," and and the word but they all kind of like left it. I'm like, "Oh, bug!" And then I said to uh, I think it was the South Korean leader, the female at someone, uh, and just they're lobsters, basically like lobsters. And as soon as you said lobster, boom. They went, <laughs> and uh, and and Barack Obama came up for seconds, which was a uh, you know um, uh, a, a bit of a um, you know a bit of a treat, bit of a, a bit of a, good, a bit of a good sign, you know. So he go, we had a bit of a talk, and he said, "I'm allowed to uh, I'm allowed to eat more because I went for a run this morning." So oh, that's no problem, mate. And uh, it was pretty amazing. He was a he was a great guy, and uh, and um, one of our girls at the front of the house had a crush on Vladimir Putin. Uh, and his table was like, having the biggest laugh. Uh, the, they had the South Korean uh, pr- uh, president or prime minister, what, um, Vladimir Putin, 
um, who else was on that table? I think the Spanish Prime Minister, and it was just kind of like surreal. It was that, yeah, it was a great experience, but it was stinking hot as well. What were the pressures like to cook at an event like that? Um, uh, I, I suppose just one, I was paranoid about the security security of it and getting in there and being searched and having all the produce messed around with but <laughs> we actually just when we bumped in we just rocked up to the back of parliament house grabbed all our poly boxes and moved to the kitchen and um <laughs> we didn't even get searched i thought i was expecting a bomb squad to come through and check my circulator and all this sort of stuff um and I, I, the timelines were freaking me out you know making sure that because they're on such a deadline uh to make sure every and we were cooking like um uh, the fish and everything like that that needed to be cooked to you know, almost so it was coming off the grill as they came out to eat, and um, and they took all the um, the guards off the off the uh, barbecues. So um, what it actually did was make it sort of harder to cook because there was no shield from the wind, and the barbecues weren't getting hot enough, and it was oh, it was so frustrating. I was freaking out. And uh, but it, yeah, no, it all it all it all came off. It was um, an amazing experience. It's it's been a pretty turbulent um, period of time, but we seem to be getting back on track. What's your favourite thing going on in food at the moment in Australia? Oh, I think just um, you know just awareness and uh, uh, the uh, the celebration of producers, you know, and, and chefs sourcing stuff you know, from real local farms and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people up here are using Falls Creek. Um, there's uh, co-ops and stuff like that that are uh, faci- facilitating local farmers uh, getting their produce to individual restaurants. So that sort of thing. Um, and just the, the quality of the artisan pr- uh, produce being cre- like given to re- chefs now is just amazing, you know. And also sort of the ethical side of things you know um with those mussels coming from jarvis bay with all the packaging being sort of compostable and you know i'm sick and tired i get stuff from my butcher and i've got packing tape around my boxes and i and i hate it you know i hate it and um uh i just want them to stop using it things double vacuum packed and it's just like oh you know gone are the days when you used to get stuff dry you know like um it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, plastic is one of the biggest, biggest hates. I just, I just can't stand it, you know. I want to just send it back to the suppliers. So, like, thanks for the meat, but you can have all this shit back, you know. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, as always, it's incredibly entertaining catching up with you. Um, loved having you on the show uh, today. Have a great summer, and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks, mate. You as well. Slip, slop, slap, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Cheers, buddy. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.